Hi, everybody. My name is Olivia Kernikan. I am an executive assistant here at ScreenStrong, and I will be moderating our discussion today. We are with Mandy Heyman and Michelle Barrett, two of our ScreenStrong ambassadors who are going to be giving us some juicy answers to some of these questions. We also have Melanie Hempy, our founder here at ScreenStrong, who will be starting us off with some tips about screen time during quarantine. Okay, thank you, Olivia. I'll just start off by saying that my name is Melanie Hempy and I raised a gaming addict. <laughs> it was totally by mistake. And um, um, I just wanted to start by giving y'all a couple, um, I don't know, answers to some questions we have about the quarantine going on right now with screen time. So I know you've heard me say these things before, but I'm gonna just give you a few tips and a few insights on that. Then I'm gonna give just a couple more overview kind of tips on screens in general, and then we're gonna have some questions um, that we have gotten from y'all, and we're gonna be answering those today about video games and about social media. So um, welcome everyone. I know that this is such a hard topic, and especially right now, because screen time in general, just managing screens with our kids is so challenging. And then we throw the pandemic in here where at least we could, you know, in the old days, they went to school and um, they went to baseball and they had all their activities, but now we are bombarded with more time on our hands. And that is really getting equated just to more um, screen time. So just a few tips to address that. The first thing that I, I want you to remember is that you have to set limits. Just because we're in a pandemic doesn't mean that our limits go out the window. And I know that a lot of people are working from home and I know this is hard, but it can be done. I have four children, two of mine are, are grown, sort of, <laughs> um, almost out of the house, but the other two are still at home and they're 16 year old boys. And I am right there with you. I totally understand how hard it is to manage this. Um, but there are a lot of stuff that they can do. There's tons of activities that they can still do that don't require screen time. So you have to remember to set your limits. The second thing that you've got to remember to do is set a daily schedule. And um, this is where your biggest success is going to be. And in that schedule, you've got to have chores. You've got to have reading. You've got to have exercise. You've got to have hobbies and other things. And, and I'll just give you a little um, insight into what's going on in my house. <laughs> um, every few days, we, we actually have sort of a house project because um, if you're like me, you know, there's always a lot of stuff from whether it's organizing the pantry, cleaning the laundry room, um, cleaning out the garage, organizing all the tools in the garage, you know how all that stuff gets all disorganized. Well, this week we tackled um, cleaning a uh, attic. We have a very small attic, but it, it's kind of outside our closet. And so what happened is there were a bunch of wasps that got in there and I couldn't, I just couldn't go in anymore. So I said, okay, boys, this is our mission. And so um, they spent probably five hours on this project and it was amazing because, you know, they, they went in there, they took care of the wasp nest and then they pulled everything out and it was just so fun. Um, I know it doesn't sound like it should be fun, but it was kind of fun. We really had a fun time doing this project together. And then afterwards, they, they were able to step back and look at it and say, wow, mom, look how great this looks. And so every week I find something <laughs> like that. So my house is, you know, getting cleaner, I guess, and they're feeling better about what they're doing. So um, the, the fact that, you know, 
um, it's, it's would be so much easier to just put them on a video game and to put them on their social media. I mean, look what we'd be missing, right? We'd be missing all these wonderful things. The other thing they're doing a lot of these days is cooking. And um, one of the boys in particular is starting to bake a lot. And so, I mean, it is so fun to watch him. In fact, our neighbor was sick, so he baked a cake and did all this. And um, there's just a lot of fun things that you can do. The, the third thing is life skills to work on um, basic life skills and however old your child is, just come up with a list of things and you can go to our website and get some information on life skills there. But start using this time to develop their life skills. If you are in the kitchen washing dishes and your kids are playing Fortnite, there is something wrong. Um, that is a sign that things are not imbalanced. The fourth thing is never leave your kids alone on a screen. Um, this sounds really crazy right now to be able to do this, but it is so important not to leave your kids alone on a screen right now. The FBI, we're, we're gonna read something from the FBI in just a minute about how this time is being used for kids to be groomed by predators and all these things that we think are never gonna happen to our kids. I think parents have a bias and we just think not in my house and not in my kids, but it's happening to families just like us, just like you. The final thing is to use this time to really restore some good family memories. And we, again, don't want our kids to look back on this quarantine as the time when everybody was on their screen or that all they did was play Fortnite or Call of Duty or Clash of Clans, whatever it is they're playing or they're just endlessly, mindlessly scrolling on their Instagram. We want them to have some really good, solid family memories. And it's different for every family what that might be whether you um, play board games at night, teach them how to play card games, um, anything you can do to have even camping in the backyard, that's really fun. We put a big sheet up outside in our back porch and we show movies out there for the kids and they bring their friends over. So there's a lot of memories that I feel like that they're, um, they're getting and, and really making right now. So Olivia, why don't you um, really quick, um, I want you to read the thing about the FBI, if you can just read a tab from that. And then Michelle, um, I would love for you to talk a little bit, answer the questions about um, that parents have about how long does it take to get my kids off of their game? So, right, you might be in the quarantine right now. You're thinking, oh my goodness, they're playing eight hours a day. I talked to someone last week, her, her teenager is playing 12 hours a day on his video game. So we'll, we'll hear from Michelle about what practically we can expect and how long it will really take to get a child like that kind of recalibrated. But Libby, why don't you um, touch base on the FBI? Yeah, area? absolutely. Yeah. So this is from an FBI uh, press release that interestingly enough was actually released on March 23rd of this year. So this is what they were anticipating when we first sort of entered into this quarantine state. And, you know, from the people we've talked to and some of the questions we've already answered from parents, this is sort of what happened. Um, so the FBI kind of saw the writing on the wall, but one thing they say is they reiterate that pediatricians generally recommend the parents limit screen time to no more than one or two hours a day for children ages two and up, um, which, you know, for most parents seems impossible, um, especially during the quarantine when parents are trying to work and things like that. But then the FBI does say stressed parents unaccustomed to providing around-the-clock care or grappling with distance learning will probably relax the screen time rules for their quote-unquote bored children, which mm -hmm. can increase the risk of the children being confronted with sexually explicit material via the internet 
and with people who have had who have bad intentions and seek to abuse uh, children. And so the FBI at that time, and still is, I'm assuming, is encouraging parents to take an active role in monitoring their child's safety. And one thing that we encounter with Screen Strong is that sometimes the best way to monitor that is to remove the device entirely because for every device your child has, then you have to monitor that. If your child has uh, you know, a video game and a laptop and a smartphone, that's three devices. If you have more than one child and each child has three, you know, the parent can't be everywhere at once, especially parents who are working from home. So it just becomes a snowball effect. Um, and yeah, I know, Michelle, you've got some great points, because um, I know that you hear from parents a lot, like, you know, if my child is dependent on video games, how long does it take him to get over it? You know, this idea that it's just like, oh, they'll just grow out of it. So yeah, for sure, please share some of your thoughts in regards to that. Well, first, you have to believe that this time you're going to take a stand and help him move past this. Mm -hmm. And they have to believe in you that you believe they can get over this because there's so much relapsing and so often the parent relapses first. So key is getting on board with, you know, it's a problem. You've been facing it for a while. No start and stopping. So mm. um, two is, you know, as far as who they are and their identity is key. And so if they've wrapped up your, their developmental stages based around their online gaming world can send them into a crisis um, because they don't know who they are. They don't have the coping skills that they've built up. So if, if coping skills is an issue in your house, then you got to address that too. So you really have to plan out ahead before you face this down. And you don't want to just do cold turkey. You don't want to go in with this big angry um, approach to it because the gaming has already taught them how to battle. I mean, they're king of the battlefield. And then we've also taught them how to battle us because we never follow through. I mean, it's hard. The games are addicting. It's against us. Mm -hmm. um, and then, let's see. I wrote down some notes. Do you think... Um, do you think also, that how long... Oh, sorry, Michelle. Go yeah, ahead. How Keep long going. they've been gaming. Has yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. yeah. Our younger children, you know, they're less resistant. They, you know, they respect authority still. They believe in us that we... And they'll ask us for help. And they identify they feel bad. The older gamers, they gain past that bad feeling. Mm. Um, they're going to have withdrawals. They have the obsessive thoughts they have to contend with. So it's a whole lot harder um, mm. when they've been allowed to game up to 12 hours a day for, you know, the last, what, three years. Even mm. if, you know, they were kind of borderline becoming a, a problematic gamer, um, allowing them to have this extra time will kick them into having a hardcore problem. So, it, it, you know, the gift behind all of this is to start healing the relationship you have with them because there's all the fighting, you know, we have ill will towards each other. There is no peace in our house. So my idea is to back out of the gaming. You know, you discuss each stage that got them to the problem and you discuss what problems were going on at school or in the house, you know, life changes. And you, know, you rebuild trust in that relationship. And then that's the gift of conquering this problem because now they have tools, they have coping skills, they have that trust built up and they can utilize that later on in life. So this is a good time to do it and to face it. There's nothing to be scared of. I mean, you have to do it. It just gets worse. It doesn't remiss on its own. These games are not designed to stop. No, I think that that's a really good point. And I think as far as now is a great time because a lot of people are giving up right now. Mm -hmm. 
and they're thinking, oh my gosh, I've lost the battle. But I see it as a whole nother angle. I see yeah. that now we're all home together and now we really do have more time. It's a good spend. opportunity. Yes. Right, it's a very good opportunity. And we've got in the Screen Strong book, the Screen Strong Solution book, we have seven steps to pull them off and enforce our challenge. Um, you can take the seven day challenge and get more information on how to decrease use. And to Michelle's point, the older the child, the, the harder it is to go cold turkey. But it, I really think it depends on how many years they've been playing. Because if this is something that all of a sudden they just started becoming a, a gaming addict you know, during the quarantine, then I think you can kind of take a week off and say, hey, buddy, we're, we're going to put this away for a whole week. And we're going to recalibrate and kind of reset um, what we're doing. But I do think with younger kids, I think cold turkey is the key because it's very confusing for them. Like, oh, I can play some days and then I can't some days. And their their minds tend to shift around their um, game as being the most important thing in their life. So if you, you're going to have to remove that before they can start rebuilding these other interests. Um, but that's a great question. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, kind of segueing into um, you, Mandy, because I know that you have some experience with this in regards to social media and smartphones, because we, you know, try to tackle both. And um, I know we've been hearing these news stories of these kids, you know, the depression rate is skyrocketing in the teenagers, as is the suicide rate. And a lot of people are saying, well, it's because, you know, they're socially isolated. Um, but then in the same breath, they'll say, but they have social media so they can talk to friends. So there's kind of this weird dichotomy there. Like, wait, are they socially isolated or are they surrounded by their friends? Which one is it? Um, so I'd love to hear you speak to that a little bit sort of with your experience and, and what you're seeing in regards to social media as it pertains to anxiety and depression in, you know, mainly girls. Cause you know, we always say that girls use social media probably more than boys, but boys are affected just as strongly. Yeah. Yep, they really are. Um, this has actually just in recent months become a huge passion of mine um, in kind of speaking out against social media a little bit more. And I have social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. But what had happened in our specific home was um, the app TikTok, which is mm. terrible. And it's actually been in the news a ton lately. And I wish it was in the news for the reasons that I hate it. Um, but it's in the news because it's a Chinese app and we might be being spied on or whatnot. Um, I wish that our country would stand up and say, it needs to be trashed because of all the trash that's on it, you know, and that's affecting these young, young kids. And it breaks my heart. I mean, my youngest is 12 and I know even fifth grade, sixth grade, you know, the last couple of years, all of his little friends have this on their straight up smartphone, you know, where they have all the access to everything. And so, you know, I thought we'd be good. Give let my 14 year old son at the time get TikTok. It seemed like a funny app. This was a year or two ago. And it became nothing but contention in our home. And, and, you know, I have a pretty good sense of humor. We were having fun, you know, he's making silly videos and we get some good laughs, but a few times when I'd scroll through it to kind of just check in, right. Cause I'm thinking I'm doing good monitoring, like we all try to do and it's impossible and things were starting to come up and I'm saying your attitude's different or why do you think this is funny? You know, and it was becoming this defense of that app versus what I'm trying to instill in my child with our own family values. So that's one, Thing in our home just an experience with a boy and it's not even that 
I don't know if it was affecting his anxiety or depression, that type of thing necessarily, but it was definitely affecting our relationship. It was definitely affecting how he viewed the world and what he thought was okay and what wasn't. And I wasn't okay with that. So that got taken away and eventually the smartphone got taken away. Um, and he's a different child. And I had got my son back and now he's 16 and a half and learning life skills and working with his dad with his hands right now. And he might not necessarily love his tech and talk, text and talk phone, but hey, it has brought him back to us. And I think he'd admit it later that yes. he's glad that happened. Um, but anyway, back to social media though, in general, my daughter also had Instagram and we saw some issues with that. Um, she still has it on a very limited basis on my phone and we are, I'm more involved with it. Kind of like the FBI thing was saying, like, if you're gonna give your kid a screen, as long as it's with involved parents, I think where a lot of parents have gone wrong and not really for, by any fault of our own, it's just life, right now, but, and we think our kids need to be social, so let them be on it. Um, but you can literally get on Google and you can Google Snapchat, Instagram, you can see headline after headline after headline of a child being, um, you know, extorted by a predator or a suicide or, I mean, you can just, you guys see, you can just see it now. It's in the headlines and people just kind of want to close their eyes to it. And I think a lot of parents are just like, la la la, I don't want to hear this. This isn't going to happen to my kid, but we have to wake up and we have to know that it's happening. And really the only reason, the only way to get past this is to take it away in a lot of situations. Um, is there a lot of funny, awesome content on these apps? Absolutely, of course there is, but there's also a lot of terrible, hideous things that would shock us as adults and our seven, eight, 10 year olds, 14, you know, up there, they're seeing this mm -hmm. and it's becoming normalized and it's, it's frightening for this culture that's coming, you know, this generation that's coming up now. And honestly, even if you look back, I've just read so much on this in the past few months, the anxiety depression rates and all that skyrocketed around 2010, 11, you know, when we had just been on the smartphone for a couple of years and parents are thinking, oh, cool, my kid gets a smartphone. I mean, my siblings got, I'm an older of much younger siblings and my siblings at the time, they're 12, 13 years old. They got a smartphone. Same time I was getting a smartphone. We didn't think anything of it. We had no idea of the dangers. And so what is fascinating now, 10 years later, a decade or more later, the research is there. It's not, this isn't a blind, like we're just doing this blindly anymore. It is there and it is proving over and over and over again that it's not okay. It's not healthy for our kids. Um, Melanie, you said it the other day on our call that, then I'm going to use your little quote here because I thought this was so great, but we're hurting our kids in their most vulnerable stage of development. Yep. So we're giving them that smartphone and that social media access in middle school um, or even freshman year, you know, in that age group, it is changing them and not for the better. And we want to trick ourselves and say, or kid ourselves a little bit and say, oh, but it's their only connection to friends. There's other ways to connect with friends. There's phone calls, there's FaceTimes, there's in-person if you're comfortable with that. Um, there are other ways to connect with friends that are not on social media. Because unfortunately, that's not all they're doing on social media. Let's be right. honest. Um, and, right. Yeah. So, I mean, they might be connecting with their friends, but they're also just sitting there scrolling mindlessly on an addictive app that they can't get away from. So. I always tell parents, like, have you downloaded the app? Like, you know, right. <laughs> Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, have you, are you personally on it? Have you went to see what you can access? And a lot of these apps, even if you just get on and don't even put an age, don't put what your sex is, don't put any of that in there and just see what it offers you. And you're going to be shocked and realize, oh my gosh, my kid has access to this. And it does not matter how many monitors you have on it. Um, and a lot of those apps can't even be monitored. Snapchat can't even be monitored by a parental control. So you're out of luck there. 
and that's the most used app by predators that are luring kids right from their home you know so I always try to teeter on this balance of like, I'm not trying to be this doom and gloom, like it's all bad, like run for the hills, you know? <laughs> a lot of us feel like that right now. But I don't like to do that and frighten parents, but I think that it's important that we have to open our eyes up and protect our kids. We have to protect them from just like we did, you know, 20 years ago, we were all growing up, our parents don't talk to strangers, you know, you're talking to your kids about who's bad out there, but how about who's bad, you know, in here on this thing, so. Yeah, I think that that's really important. And I also think that if you can look at it in some simple terms, that it's the time spent and then it's the content. So yeah. you look at both of those things together and it's sort of a lose-lose situation because they really don't need to spend any time. How much time does your child really need to spend surfing the internet, right? Or watching Snapchat? I mean, is it 10 hours a day, or is it 10 minutes a day? Um, the way, Mandy, that you're doing it, it sounds like you've got it on your phone, so they can look at it every now and then, but you know exactly what's going on. I, I believe that moms and dads out there know more about the content of their laundry detergent than they do about the screens their kids are using. Mm -hmm. And to the gamers, to moms who have gamers, I would um, challenge you to sit for a day with your child and go through a day in the life of your son or a day in the life of your daughter and see exactly what is happening. Because most parents have never played the games that our kids are playing today. And, and many parents haven't experienced social media from the eyes of a teenager. Um, Mandy, what you said about um, that middle school, that sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, that is like the worst age of all to have this exposure. And, and I know, Michelle, you agree with that. Um, it, Absolutely. It's bad in high school too, but, um, but it's really, really bad in those middle school years. This is when they're making a trade. This is when they're making choices um, for their activities. It's when they're trying to figure out their identity. Um, so Michelle, can you speak any more about that age that, you know, Mandy well, was just- That's about? a main influence. If your child has more time online than in your presence, and you're not online with them to counter these messages, which is what parents do. We try to, you know, bestow on them, you know, our values, our experiences, so they don't have to go through a lot of hardships. We bring in all of that mm -hmm. as, a, as a parent. So you've allowed all of these game designers and these app designers and from, you know, different countries and you know, uh, the predators that are out there, you know, the doors are wide open they're not out in the bushes you know we have invited them into our child's lives and there's now been influenced and you can't erase a lot of what they've been exposed to mm -hmm. and it's going to be a long time before they probably ever speak to it because they don't even know how to put words to it mm -hmm. so how do you combat all this all these years later because that's really what has happened for a lot of the first time um gamer moms like myself you don't even see it coming but when it you do it's like an atomic bomb and it's like, it's just, it's all at your feet. How do you piece that back together? So, I mean, for us to meet here right now is really, you know, it's a precautionary tales, you know, to help you not find yourself in a fix later on trying to figure out, you know, how to get them over it. And I think we'll all agree, everybody here will agree that we have to do something. We can't just sit back and know in our gut that something's not right. Yes. And we can't just let, let our kids continue to, 
run down these trails and um, you, you know be exposed to this stuff. As a parent, you you have to listen to culture on on some level, but then on the other hand, you have to really listen to your gut, and only you know what's really best for your child. But you have to go in there, um, you know, with your eyes wide open. You you cannot just because you want something to be true, it does it's not true. And I think parents have a a huge bias. We have this parental blind spot. I sure did with my oldest son when he got in trouble with his gaming dependency. I I just didn't see it, and I didn't have um, you know people like like us out there to to tell me to think a little bit differently about this. My bias was very very strong, and it was I thought he was um, uh, getting educated. I thought he was learning code. I thought you know this is the world we live in. You have if you're a boy, you have to play video games, and I'm here to tell you today that is not true. Just because you have a son doesn't mean he has to play video games. It, it's not a thing that he has to do. Um, there are so many other things that he can do instead. So I think our message, just to kind of start to wrap up, I think it's um, that we want to really promote a bold message to say that our kids are worth it. We need to know what they're doing. We need to delay and postpone and pause and get these other things in um, line, get them um, connected with us. We need to get their life skills going. Right now during the quarantine, we need to... Um, take advantage of this time, this valuable time that we never have to develop other skills. So Lydia, are there any other questions that we can close with? Yeah, um, there is one that um, I think is pertinent as, you know, summer is starting to wind down and we're kind of going back into the school year and, you know, there's some contention about, you know, some place, some schools are meeting in person, some schools are continuing with the distance learning and people are just kind of teetering and not quite sure, you know, where the wind is blowing. But for those that are going to be entering into distance learning, I just think it might be good to touch on the fact that distance learning is screen time also. So, you know, like, for example, the FBI is saying one to two hours a day, if they're spending, you know, six hours, seven hours a day doing distance learning, that's it. You know, it's not that then you then get to have your recreational screen time. So I just wanted to know um, if anyone had any comments to to make to that in terms of how to manage distance learning with screen time. Mandy, do you have anything? Um, yeah, because we've been doing the distance learning thing. And actually, I my two older ones, ironically, are on, they are homeschooled with online public school. So they've been <laughs> doing the online thing, even with this whole journey I've been on the last six months. They, um, they were already doing online school. So that is tricky because there's a computer in front of their face all the time. Um, my biggest encouragement to parents is that you can take back your control. You can create a schedule. I mean, all going back to all your tips, Melanie, at the beginning are great tips for this very thing. I think as long as you have a routine and a clear expectation of who's on the computer when, or if they all have their computers, um, I'm really big with, um, like just in our house setup, their computer during the school day does have to be in their bedroom, which I hate, but the doors are wide open, volumes on, you know, so I know they're doing school, I'm around, so I'm very aware of what's going on. Um, but if you can, everybody needs to be out in the open, sitting at a table, you know, that's, I think, a really big thing. But mm -hmm. as far as like additional screen time, it's just, it's something you've got to come up with as a family and say what what your rule is and then you stick to it like Michelle was saying earlier and so sometimes that's sitting down like we did back in March going coming off of spring break going into this weird quarantine homeschooling thing and we sat around a table and I had spent two days 
and I know I'm a planner, so this is what I did. I'm not telling everybody, <laughs> this, but I had spent all this time like creating schedules and all this, but I sat them down around the table and basically just said, look, some things are going to change. This is how we're going to do this. So I think sometimes we're scared of our kids and we don't want to do that. We don't want people to be upset. And I'm not going to say they weren't upset at first. Um, but what I got to see as the weeks progressed and we were in the schedule and we stayed consistent is that it was mm -hmm. wonderful and attitudes were better and all that. I'm talking like the TV stayed off all day. Like it's hard. And if you're working from home, it's probably even harder. So I don't know if that's the best advice, but that's just what we've done here in our home. It's like make a plan, stick to it and know that you can, you can take back control. You can get peace in your home again, but you have to do it. You have to be the adult and do it. No, that's really I good. mean, the alternative is you're going to be fighting. So giving in is not a win. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> No, that's a really good that's a really good point michelle because the, the alternative is not really good no it's not easier that is not the easy way out trust me no you pay them just build more muscles you know and it's like now nah, i'm gonna push mom back she's given she's got other things to do mm -hmm. and it's like and then you come around the corner and you're just frustrated because they're still staring at the screen and then yeah. you have a tendency to blow up because it's like oh my gosh can't you just get off on your own for once <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, a schedule is everything you know we all need our schedules it's good mm -hmm. so to to conclude that question Livia and then we can wrap up is I I totally agree um, with with what Mandy was saying about the schedule and this has to be done by the parent it cannot be done by the child or the teenager or the apprentice adult or even the 20 year old <laughs> it really can't it just can't and so your job as the parent coach and that's what we talk a lot about in our material is how we are in a coach's position now so if you look at it from a coach's you know viewpoint you realize that your team needs to be balanced you realize they have to do their core exercises they have to do their stretch exercises they have to do the hard stuff so when they're doing school the best recommendation i have is to do school when you're doing school after you're done and most home situations now with quarantine, you know, distance learning, it, it's not a seven hour a day kind of thing. I think school um, schools are very careful not to do that. I know in our county, they're not allowed to have more than two hours a day, which is kind of fascinating to me. So they're trying to get all this work in. So the tips that I have and the answers that I have is that you get as much as you can offline. If there's a textbook, if there's something you can print out for them to do, to read, whatever, as much as you can get done off the screen, the better. And then when they're done, and, and like Mandy, I'm also patrolling, um, making sure that when they're on their Zoom class, that that's really what they're doing, that they're not texting somebody or playing around. So I, you still have to you know patrol it. But then when it's all done, the minute that Zoom is over, the minute the class is over, I close the lid on their laptop and collect them and, and take them into another part of the house <laughs> because I know that if it's sitting out, even when school is over, the tendency is going to be for them to then start doing mindless stuff on their screens. So you have to manage this. It cannot, they cannot manage it on their own. So we're not saying, obviously, the distance learning is bad. Of course, they have to do some distance learning. But what we are saying is that you step in and you regulate that. You, you actually control the um, time that they're on it, close the lids, remove the screens, don't have a screen in every single room in your house, do not have the TV on, 
And in the old days, our rule was um, during the summer, which is this kind of like what this is right now with distance learning, is that as long as it was sunny outside, we could have no TVs on in our house. And that took care of a lot of time, you know, because it doesn't get dark till nine o'clock or something. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you have to still be super, super, super um, uh, aware of what's going on. And don't be afraid to remove it. And when you remove the screens, all of a sudden your kids are gonna find other things to do. They are yeah. very creative, they're very okay. innovative. You have to know there are other things to do other than video games and, <clears throat> and social media. Get a bunch of good books for your kids to read. Um, don't roll your eyes on that. It is possible to get kids to learn to love to read to get them the right books. We have some lists up on our site. And remember that the persuasive design around these screens are, are not in favor um, um, of your, your kids' mental and emotional and physical well-being. They need to get a lot of exercise as well. That's another huge thing. If you're in distance learning, you've got to schedule in that movement. They have to move, they have to get their energy out. Otherwise, they're going to be stressed and anxious and super depressed. Don't forget to look up, um, to pick up our books that we have. We have the Screen Strong Solution. I don't wanna sound like a commercial, but we have this whole book on your teens and smartphones, and then will your gamers survive college. Um, these are all really good resources. And we also have a Facebook group. And Olivia, why don't you just end with that and explain um, how to get to the Facebook group? Yeah, absolutely. So um, just a quick note about the books. They are available on Amazon, but we also have um, digital copies on um, our website. If you go to screenstrong.com slash store, um, we have a bunch of resources there for you. Yeah, the Facebook group. So we're really encouraging people to join our, it's called the Screen Strong Families group. Mandy, is that, is that correct? Yeah. Um, it's for the challenge too. Yeah. It's specifically, you know, it, it started to help parents manage, um, and, you know, and navigate our seven day screen strong challenge, but we're also really encouraging people to join regardless. We're going to be having a lot more resources specifically available to the people in the group. We are planning on continuing these Q and a sessions. Um, they're super helpful for parents who have these questions where they don't know where to get answers, please send us your questions. We're going to try to answer as many of them as we can, um, but join the group because we are going to be releasing these Q&A videos to the group after this one. Um, so you'll get that exclusive content. You'll get basically unlimited access to myself, Melanie, Mandy, Michelle. Um, we're always willing to answer questions. If you are not a big Facebook user, feel free um, to email team, T-E-A-M, at screenstrong.com, and we will answer anything that you need answered. We're here to help you. Um, we're happy to schedule a phone call with you if you're just, you know, in, in the ditch and need a friend to help you out. So check out our website. Let us know if you have any questions. Thanks for watching today. Thank you ladies so much for your input and remember to stay strong guys. Stay strong. See you next time.